everyone. Welcome to the Midtown Midweek, where we take the sermon on Sunday and we talk more about it and unpack it so that we can fall more in love with Jesus and more in love with his word. I'm here with our church planter, Tim Olson. What up, Tim? We back. This is the third time. Are we back. Hello. Good to be hey, back. Hey, <laughs> so this is your third time here. Third time. Uh, you and Michael Bailey are tied right now. We're actually competing, so that's good. That's great. Yeah. I think you have one more, right? I have two more coming up. Oh. He only has one more coming up. To unpack what we talked about, uh, 1 Timothy 4, talking about what it means to live a life of godliness, you gave us four E's. Four E's. That's how so you, you know, know it's, right. it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's Alliterations, right. always. Effort. Expectation, examples, endurance, endurance. Hey, nice. I remember yeah, that. Expectation was going to be hope, but doesn't it's, not, it's not the knee. So, no. you know, yeah. Tim, you know this by now. What we do with this podcast is uh, talking more about what didn't make the overall final portion of the sermon. So uh, just go ahead and take it away. Uh, I mean, a lot of it. I went long. Apologize for that, guys. Uh, but the biggest thing that I really didn't get to go in on as much as I wanted to on is uh, in verse eight, where he says that godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So this reality of, of godliness is both about the now, how we live in life now, how we live in the world now, how we relate to God, relate to others, but also it has promise for the future life as well. And so I think, uh, yeah, wanting to hit more on that. So this idea of the present life, as we learn to grow in godliness it affects just how we dwell in the world, right? And I think, I think you see that even more in a time like this with everything that's going on in the world. When you're squeezed, this concept we've talked about before, when you're squeezed, what comes out of you? And so if you learn to train yourself in godliness, then when these situations squeeze you, it has value in the present life. You learn to stand with convictions. You learn to live with peace in a time where everything feels crazy. You learn to love your neighbor in a time where you want to be selfish and you want to just hold back everything for yourself. You learn to have hope when everybody else feels like they're despairing. And so just all of these, uh, you know, you can go even go fruits of the spirit in Galatians, like all of these things that the Bible says, when you train yourself in godliness in the past, then when you're pressed in the present, that these actually can flow out of you and can be what you've trained yourself for, right? So you don't want to just show up in the moment and think I'm going to act a certain way when you haven't rehearsed how to act those ways in times of plenty and when times are are okay and normal. So that that present life, but also in the life to come, which is so interesting because, you know, scriptures have this reality that we, we talked about it on Sunday, Philippians 1, that our holiness and godliness will be complete, right, in the future. That when Jesus returns or calls us home, that our godliness is going to be complete. So what does it look like? How does our training for godliness now affect that? And I love, um, I think it's Dallas Willard that talks about this reality that uh, we are are practicing heaven, right? Like we're practicing now what we're going to do in heaven and we're training ourselves. And so if heaven is this ultimate place to give God worship and glory and honor and enjoy the things of him forever, then we actually get to rehearse that in the now and, and train ourselves for that in the now. Um, and so I just love that both present life and the life to come, that, that godliness matters for all times and for eternity. That's a really cool point you made. Whenever you go through a book of the Bible and you're pulling out application, it's like you don't know whenever you plan out a sermon series a year out, mm. what is going to be happening in the world around you. Yeah. But the fact that able to speak to the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual practices to the present moment, and this is one of the most confusing, frightening times mm. on our planet that we have ever experienced. Yeah. And so the call all the more for God's people to 
live out what that means, where a lot of us are feeling restless and angry and sad and confused and hurt. And we have made available to us uh, an opportunity to be a people of peace and love and joy and hope in the midst of all of this, not to shut ourselves out from the world, but to press into the sadness and be the presence of Jesus. So I'm so thankful that of all the times we could have talked on this, it just so happened to be right in the middle of all of it. Yeah. yeah very thankful. It, it's a good word of warning too, of like, if you don't like what's coming out of you right now, right? If you don't like the person you are right now, this is not the last time you're going to be squeezed in your life. This is not the last time that the craziness is going to happen in our world. And so it's an opportunity for us to repent and to say, okay, what disciplines and spiritual formation do I need to work on now? So that when the next storm comes in my personal life or in the world, I'm able to live through that next one in a more robust, healthy way. Um, Cause it's, it's going to happen again, right? Like until Jesus returns, we're going to have storms of various times and of various trials. And so learning to now practice for when that comes. Absolutely. Yeah. Other things that didn't make the sermon? That's the the main one. I mean, there's always fun little Greek things that I wanted to bring up that I was, you know, you got to cut because you can't talk about Greek the whole time, apparently. Boring. <laughs> Boring. No one wants to hear that. Um, but just, I mean, continually that idea of, of myths, silly myths, like that Paul just keeps coming back to that. Like it's such a big deal to hold on to truth as the people of God uh, that he keeps coming back to. Um, verse six uh, is one other one that I thought was really interesting. So he says that, Timothy will be a good servant of Christ Jesus being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine. And so uh, several commentators talk about that words of faith is the gospel and how the good doctrine is, is right teaching and how it's a both and this grace and truth that we mm. see the dichotomy throughout scripture, both and grace and truth. God is a God of grace and truth. And Paul says to be a good pastor, to be a good leader, you have to hold grace and truth and that it's a both and for leaders to to be willing to, to put forward, this is what's true and this is what's right. And also to hold forward a, a graceful, godly, gospel-centered presence. Uh, and it's both in for pastor. I thought that was just really interesting. Probably not something that needed to be talked about for everybody, but it's just a good, a good word as you're leading, as you're thinking about leading and leading people. What does it look like for you to be a person of grace and truth? And I think that looks like truth is, I want this for these people mm-hmm. that I'm leading in my life group. And they're not there yet. And they're going to stumble and they're not going to perhaps grow and look more like the image of Jesus at the timetable that I want them to. And that's okay. And there is grace for that. And we're still called to press onward. You know, I first met Tim five years ago in a seminary class. Something like that. Yeah. A winner. I think it was a J term one week. You came up to Louisville for it. Yeah. From Bowling Green where you were at the time. And yeah. Yeah. That was really fun. It was a, a spiritual disciplines class. Donald Whitney, who is great and has written numerous books. I don't know about you. It was by far my favorite seminary class I've ever taken. Yeah. He, he is one of those examples of, of men that you just look at and you say, I want to be yeah. like you in your relationship with the Lord. And when I'm 65, 70, however old, old yeah. at the time. But. I mean, every class was just, uh, he would be moved to tears thinking yeah. about Jesus. And it was like, oh my goodness. I don't know if you remember this. It was the end of his class. It was the final lecture. And he was just at a loss of words of just like the charge telling us pursue Jesus at whatever cost. He had no mic, but it felt like this mic drop moment. And I think all of us were weeping. Maybe we were all applauded at the end, but it was just this beautiful picture of, yeah, I want to follow Jesus just like you've been following Jesus for decades. Even the way he talked about spiritual practices and the here and now and the present, 
talking about eternity, like we are rehearsing our role in eternity one day. So we want to do everything we can to worship and adore Jesus so much so that when it carries over into eternity, I am able to worship him all the more. And I think that's what he talks about, Donald Whitney, when he talks about the spiritual rewards we will receive one day in heaven, that those rewards are actually uh, amplifiers of deeper worship. And I just thought that was so cool. And it's been so helpful for me as I think about that. And Whitney and I mean, just that's that's something you can, that's so good for the Christian life is reading biographies and, and biographies of, of men and women who loved the Lord for a long time, right? People that, that, I mean, think of, of people like Francis Schaeffer and some of these, even back to like Hudson Taylor and some of these missionaries in the 1800s who didn't just follow Jesus for a little bit, followed Jesus for a long time and, and served the Lord for a long time. I mean, so I shared the quote from Eugene Peterson who passed away two years ago mm-hmm. and just a big, from, from a far distance, pastoral mentor of mine, just through his writing and his teaching. And one of the stories they tell about his death that his family shared shortly after he died as he was getting closer to, to death and old age and all of that, he kept repeating the phrase, let's go. Like he was just so excited wow. to be with Jesus and to, to experience the fullness of joy. And then he writes 40 years ago, right? Sign up for the long obedience in the same direction. And you don't get one without the other. And you just see that in the lives of saints where it's, you can just, as you're reading their biographies, can connect the dots of, yeah, you loved Jesus and were so excited about heaven when you were 80 because you put into practice when you were 20. And it's just the continual, I got to slow grow this over time. Um, that, yeah, I think it's just a powerful, those examples, like Dr. Whitney and those people. Yeah, and I think that picture of slow growth is... Mm-hmm. We miss out on that a lot. Yeah. We think about men and women 50, 100, 200 years ago who loved the Lord, who had this enormous impact for ministry because they loved Jesus for decades and decades. And the people we tend to gravitate towards now in modern day evangelical world are the celebrity pastors who mm. uh, can preach to a stadium and they're young and hip and cool. And we tend to gravitate towards, this is the picture of success. This is what it looks like to be on fire for Jesus. And we've totally missed out. No, that that is actually an abnormal thing and praise Jesus. And let's hope that what they have right there in that packed out stadium lasts. But what I really want to go out for is the faithful, quiet obedience for decades. Yeah. We tell our people at, at Citizens all the time, we're planning a church for our grandchildren's grandchildren, right? We're not trying to be a flash in the pan. We're trying to go, how do we live lives that love Jesus in 70 years? And how do our children and our grandchildren and their grandchildren? Because you, you got to build something that lasts and you got, and that takes, it's like slow and slow and long. Yeah. Next question. Uh, how did studying this passage impact you personally? Yeah. So I think, and I, I it kind of bled its way into the sermon that I didn't even mean to talk about. It was kind of off the cuff, uh, but this idea of starting small. So this idea of, of sometimes we get really excited about spiritual formation. We get really excited about the things of God and that's not bad. Uh, we go to a conference or we hear a particular sermon or a certain worship song or whatever, and we just get pumped up and we do too much too soon. And that's, it's not a bad thing because we're excited and we want to grow in our faith and we want to grow in knowledge and all this kind of stuff. And what I've just seen in my own life is the reality of having patience for my own spiritual growth. So am I willing to even have patience for myself? Am I willing to be content enough in my positional holiness before the Lord that I'm, I am willing to have patience with myself and to trust God's patience with me that 
I mean, that word progress, I just think it's so fascinating that Paul says, let others see your progress. Not your perfection. Let them see your progress. Let them see, I'm just taking little baby steps over time. And so it's actually better to not get excited about the things of God. And so I'm going to go read all of the Bible in the next week. Like this this is a Mm -hmm. recipe for disaster. Like me with the CrossFit example on Sunday. Like it's just bad Mm -hmm. to go, I got to do all of this, but it's the little steps, right? So uh, you even, you can look at couch to 5k programs, right? Mm -hmm. I've done a few of those in my day. Uh, they always start by go out, go for a walk. It's like, it's like the first day is always walk a mile because you don't just, just meet start. you where you're at, meet you where you're at and take a little baby step. And then it's a little step and a little step and a little step that you then grow up into maturity. That's something that I've just been checking my own life on are my habits, a growing me towards where I want to go. So is my life actually think about the personal liturgy stuff we talked about a few years ago. Like is the liturgy of my life, the rhythms and routines of my life actually taking me where I want them to take me towards the Lord. And B, is it sustainable? Do I have healthy rhythms, healthy practices where I'm actually going, okay, this is a long game. So I'm going to do a little bit at a time. I'm going to read a little bit at a time, pray a little bit at a time, whatever, uh, and just trust that the Lord's taking me on a journey and it's a process. And I, I don't need to be 60 years down the road yet. I can be where I am now with the growth that I have now and let the Lord grow me over time um, in, my own, in my own walk of maturity. Uh, not as an excuse, right? You can always use that as an excuse. Well, I'm just doing a little bit. I just don't want to burn mm-hmm. out. That's not mm-hmm. that's not the goal, right? Burnout is that whatever. Yeah. Talk about that for another podcast for another day. Yeah. But a turn of there's a sustainable urgency that we're called to as the people of God. Yeah. What excites me when I think about spiritual formation is you looking more like Jesus because of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you is actually possible. Oh yeah. It is not reserved for. Yeah the people on stage mm-hmm. or the saints of long ago, you looking like the presence of Jesus doing the things he did. All of that is possible in the here and now. Yeah. And that is made available to you and start small. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be freed from every struggle this side of, of eternity. Right. So even Paul talks about this thorn that he keeps begging the Lord to take away, take away, take away. And the Lord never does. He talks about grace, sufficiency, Jesus' grace is sufficient in his weakness and all of that. But there is a, a sense in which you fight differently, right? So it's like, yeah, you might you might play the long game and 50 years from now, 20 years from now, five years from now, you're still struggling with that thing. But hopefully your fight looks different and you're experiencing more and more freedom, even if you don't experience ultimate freedom until Christ returns or calls you home. Absolutely. Thank you, Tim. It's yeah. been good. Glad to be here.